Hey, my name is Brianna, and you're listening to the FCC Grayson Podcast. God is doing some incredible things here at First Church. To learn more about FCC and maybe plan your visit, head on over to FCCGrayson.com. We hope today's message gives you hope, inspires, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive into today's message. How many of you chose your families? Yeah. So, I, we went into this week, and, and I, if you saw the sign, we're still in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to be uh, going through uh, that this morning. I, on the sign it says, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. And that's what I had planned. And as I got going through this this week, it just, the more I studied, the more I realized that um, I was going to have to go through three verses just super, super quickly uh, and then concentrate on the last four. And that just really didn't feel right. It didn't set right. And I, uh, I, I asked God, I was like, okay, God, if you want me to slow down just a little bit, please just, just show me. Don't, don't let my planning, don't let my scheduling, don't let all of these things that, uh, that so make me tick and get me off track if I get out of routine and out of schedule. Uh, I don't want to just push forward just to be pushing forward because this is what I would planned to begin with. Uh, so we're going to, instead of going with verses 15 through 23, we're going to be backing up and we're going to be doing verses 15 through 18 this morning. Uh, then next Sunday, we'll be finishing out the chapter, you know, we'll be finishing up chapter one with verses 19 through 23. But what we're seeing is we're seeing Paul coming off of this. We've spent several weeks dissecting verses three through 14, this, this diatribe somewhat that Paul goes on here in this doxology of praise that we see him talking about us being blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. And then he spends verses four through 14 talking about what all of those spiritual blessings are. And he kind of gives us a detail of some of them because to be honest with you, we're blessed with a list that is no way exhaustible and no way that you could write about every single blessing that God has blessed us with. But Paul moves from this run-on sentence, this, this writing of praise, and then he goes into a prayer. And the reason I ask you about choosing your family is because Paul will talk here in a moment about the love that the church has for all the saints. And just to tell you a story, growing up, before my sister passed away, she, there was five years difference between us. We were probably, and this is just guesstimating, I may be off a year or two, she may have been four, I may have been nine, somewhere around in that area. But she and my mother had developed this routine. She hadn't gone to school just yet. Whatever age she was, she had not started kindergarten at this point. But her and my mom had developed this routine of the daytime. While my dad was at work, while I was at school, they did their thing and they had this little system. Their existence was relatively uneventful most of the time. Well, during that winter, there was a long period where we were off school and I guess that inserted chaos, which was me, apparently, because we were out of school. And I don't know why my mom would consider me to be chaos. I mean, and I'm getting ready to tell you a story, and really, it's going to look like I'm the one to blame here, but I'll just let you all know up front, I was innocent, 
completely and totally. I was a victim in this story. But I guess that I had just thrown just a wrench into their routine, into their plans, into their little, their little system and that rhythm that they had going there. And I guess that I had, it had gotten to the place that my sister and I were fighting. So she had picked on me so much that I finally, finally, I guess, had to retaliate. And my mom had basically just said, enough's enough. And you know, not only was it full names, but it was, you know, entire first, middle, and last names. I mean, we had pushed the envelope to where death was imminent if we continued doing what we were doing. And my mom, being the cruel disciplinarian that she was, we had two of those older wooden school desks. You know, the ones with the metal frames that had the wooden top that had the little groove at the top, you know, that held your pencil that all of us at some point carved in, you know, while we were in school. But we had two of those. And mom decided what we needed to do is she put those things facing each other, like butting up, you know, the front to the front there. And she sat us directly across from us. She said, I'm going to go in here. Whatever she was doing at the time, she said, if I hear another peep, you've both had it. And any parents out there ever made, or any kids ever had that threat, you, it, there was just something about the way that she said it that we knew she was serious. So she goes back in there, and apparently we remain quiet, maybe just a little too quiet, to be honest with you. And she said that she peeked her head in, and about the time that she did, my sister and I both, around this area of our arms, were pinching each other, just like with the biggest grip that we could get, and just twisting it. Both of our faces just blood red, just going. Neither one of us willing to make a sound to put our lives in danger. But that's one of those moments that I think that as a parent, my mom peeked in there, saw that, and had to take off running the other way so we didn't hear her laughing. But that's just kind of one of the stories that I remember. You know, even when you love your family deeply, even when you like your family most of the time, you still have those moments where you really just can't stand each other. Brothers, sisters, am I right in here? So we're going to talk about this love for all the saints here in a moment. And, and, and I want us to understand this level of love and this foundation that Paul's building this prayer on because we have a tendency to disagree and we have a tendency sometimes not to like other people around us. So let's read verses 15 through 18 of Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 15, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. Thank you that we were able to come and we were able to sing songs of praise and glory to you and lift up your name and, and honor and worship you with our songs. 
God, that we've been able to honor You and glorify You in our giving and through a time of remembrance of communion. And God, now we ask that uh, we move into a realm of worship in Your Word. God, I pray that You would pierce our hearts this morning with Your Word, with Your truth. Let Your Word speak to us this morning. Let it, let it move deeply in, in our midst today. Father, I pray that You would anoint me. I pray that You would speak through me. And Holy Spirit, I pray that You use my voice to speak Your words. In Jesus' name, Amen. So as we begin to look, verse 15 says, for this reason. Or some of your translations may say, therefore. So there's a connection here between what Paul has been writing and what he is now writing. There is a continuation of thought. There is a different approach that he takes to his writing. He moves from a time of praise in acknowledging and remembering and detailing some of the blessings that come from Jesus Christ. Now he's moving into a time of thankfulness and prayer. So these two, it's not like Paul is hitting the reset button. This is a continuation of what we've been studying up until this point. And then he says, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Now, as we articulated at the beginning of this series, when we started going through Ephesians, Paul was writing this from Rome. Probably 60 to 62 AD was the, the time span in which he was writing this. And he was in captivity. He was in prison in Rome while he was, while he was writing this letter to the church at Ephesus. He then goes on to talk about how the word has come to him because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now before we start talking about why it's significant that Paul remembers and, and is giving thanks for faith and love and all of this perseverance, I think we need to remind ourselves of just how dear this church in Ephesus was to Paul's heart. We see that in Acts chapter 18, when Paul makes his first missionary journey there. So he goes and he stays and he teaches in the temple and he, he debates with the religious leaders at the time, but he was only there for a short while until he left. Then in Acts chapter 19 and chapter 20, we see where he came back and he spent two years teaching in the hall of Tyrannus. He, he, he was teaching and he was spending Two years, day in, day out, with these believers. Now, think about that for a moment. Whenever you spend that much time, how close, how deeply connected, how deep that bond would be between someone who's coming and leading a group spiritually and this sense of community, this sense of family, this sense of fellowship that would have had to have been cultivated during this time, this church was dear to Paul's heart. It was one that he really didn't want to leave, but he knew that God was calling him elsewhere. So understand that Paul was, when he left, he was leaving a fairly stable group of believers with a good foundation that were maturing in Christ, whether they be Jewish converters, converted or Gentile converts. He was leaving them with a solid foundation of their relationship with Jesus Christ. And here we have this letter 
that is written probably eight to ten years later, and Paul is still looking back on them fondly, and he gets encouraged again whenever he hears the news that they have remained faithful. He says, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Pause right there. Folks, there is no other source of faith that we need to look to in our life other than faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not a faith in mankind. There's not a faith in our planet. There's not a faith in our system. There is not a faith in a currency. We've seen there's not faith in the stock market, even though I don't understand what in the world went down with that. All right, they was like, here, read this. You'll understand it. Oh, Got it. There is not faith in anything in this world that's ever going to come close to being the source of faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that here in just a moment because he intersects the two. He talks about something, but know this, that if your faith this morning in here is not in Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, I don't care what kind of prayer you've prayed. I don't care what type of of catechism you've learned. I don't care what kind of creed you've followed. If your faith is not in the crucified, buried, resurrected Son of the living God, then your faith is in a misplaced thing, person, or place. It's faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And then he says, and your love toward all the saints. It's a big word right there. That three-letter word, A-L-L, all the saints. It's easy to love somebody when they love you back, right? I mean, especially when you have a lot in common with that person, whenever there's not a whole lot of disagreement, whenever there's not a whole lot of tension, whenever things line up, it's, it's kind of easy to love that person. And you know what? Us, our English language is so simplistic in so many different ways that the word love just really doesn't do... You know, it, it can, we can use it to describe so many things that never really does justice because the fact of the matter is, I love food. I love my dogs, and I love my wife. All three of those are completely different meanings of love, but the same word. But it's when we get to this place that we're challenged to love someone. You know when that person just pushes every button that you've got, and you're pretty sure they're doing it intentionally because they know that the buttons are there? So, hey, look at that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to push that. That's when love becomes challenging. That's when it becomes an effort on our part. Because the easiest thing to do for the people that I don't like, for the people that I don't agree with, the people that rub me the wrong way, the people that I really can't stand, the easiest thing for me to do is keep them at arm's length and not invite them into my life, into my fellowship, into my family. But it's difficult whenever we're expected to love difficult people. But the sobering truth that should grip all of us this morning 
is that each and every one of you, you are the difficult person in at least one relationship. In at least one love relationship, you are the difficult person. But in that one relationship, we're fortunate that the source of love never turns His love off towards us. Because in our relationship with Jesus Christ, each and every one of us are the difficult person. Now, husbands, wives, family members, I know some of you, I, I saw you, there may have been a little low-key finger pointing going on there. It's like, in at least one relationship, you are the difficult person. But understand that loving all of our family, Loving all of the saints, loving all of the believers, and loving all people. It's a big deal. And it's something that we're commanded to do. Not just the ones that we like, not just the ones that we want to, not just the ones that's easy, that, that it's easy to love them, that man, they don't cause any waves, they don't do anything. No. It's easy. But you've got to love everyone. Love all the saints. Verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. If you're in here, or if you're hearing me this morning, and you're a leader of a family, you're a leader in the workplace, you're a leader in the church, you're a leader of the ministry, or you, you just lead people, you have influence over people, understand that this should be a prayer that you are praying over those that you're leading, over those that you are influencing on a regular basis. Because again, Paul's work in establishing the church at Ephesus is done. Almost a decade passed, but yet we still see Paul fervently, earnestly pouring out his heart in prayer and in praise for these people that they would continue to serve God the way that they need to. Pray for those around you. Pray for them. Don't pray against them. Pray that they receive mercy and grace from God. Whether they are the vilest, most wicked person that you've ever known, ever met, ever came across, do not pray against them because guess what? You are the most, one of the most wicked, vile people also. We all have sin in our lives. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us continue to miss that mark of perfection with our lives apart from Jesus Christ. Pray for your fellow man. Pray for the people in your life. Pray for the people in your community. Pray for the people in your state. Pray for the people in your nation and in this world. Stop praying against people. Start praying for them. Because we're all sinners. And guess what? If we've been saved, we've been saved by grace. And it's His grace, not ours. It's His goodness, not ours. It's His sacrifice, not ours. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. I, I love how Paul takes a moment here 
And I don't think that if Paul had left this out, that we would have had any question as to who he was praying to. But look at this. He very specifically says that the Lord of or the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Paul's making a very specific reference here to God the Father, talking about that He is God of our Lord Jesus. I want to propose to you this, and that this is why I think that Paul wrote this this way. is because he is naming God the Father specifically here through the lens of who is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because I think that Paul wants his readers to understand who he's praying to and the faithfulness of that person that he's praying to, of the one that he's praying to. You've got to think, again, we are not too far removed from the Savior, the Messiah, the one that had been promised, the one that had been prophesied about, the one that had been looked toward, the one that people had prayed for, that had fasted for, that had wanted to see for thousands of years, had finally come, the answer to their prayers, the one who is faithful, God the Father had supplied, God the Son as the Messiah, the atoning sacrifice, once for all death for the sins of mankind. Paul is saying that I'm praying for you in this way to this one, the one who is ever faithful, the one who is ever true, and the one whom we have seen fulfill his promises. Folks, that's the God that we serve, the one who is faithful, the one who is just, the one who is holy and righteous above and beyond any holiness and righteousness and blamelessness that any of us could ever think achieve or imagine this is who Paul is praying to and then he asks may God give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him there's a couple key words right there wisdom and revelation why is it a big deal that Paul's asking praying for wisdom and revelation for the people who already know God. He's writing to believers here. He's writing to those that have already placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Let me submit to you that whether your relationship with God is 30 seconds old, 30 days old, 30 years old, or 80 years old, you will never be full of the wisdom and revelation of who God is. There is always more to know about Him. Always more to know. Revelation is not some crazy book in the Bible. It's not what Paul's referring to here. He's like, listen, there's going to be this dude named John that's coming along that's writing some stuff. It's going to be way out there. Don't worry. There's going to be people write a series of books. They're going to make millions of dollars behind, you know, and, and, and everybody's going to be left behind. They're going to explain it to you in fictionary work, okay? He's not talking about the book of Revelation here. This means a revealing. This is asking God to make himself known on a greater level to these believers, these believers that Paul had spent so much time with that had been so faithful in their service to Jesus Christ, in their love to one another, Paul is saying, I want you to reveal to yourself to them even more. 
And then he asks for wisdom, which is what to do with that revelation. God, give us wisdom. God, I pray for you. Church, I pray for you on a weekly basis that God would would reveal Himself more and more and more to us each and every time that we open this book, each and every time we pray to God, each and every time that we're together, I pray that He would reveal Himself to you more. But I always make sure that I pray also that He would give you the wisdom to know what to do with that. And that's where he kind of goes in the verse 18, where he says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Now, let's pause right here. This word enlightened, this this heart, we know that through the Bible, the, the central theme of man is the heart. Okay? I mean, we begin to know here in our minds, but really we're transformed in our hearts. And, and we, we see so many times that the heart is, is what drives us. It's what pushes us. It's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. So he's talking that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened. And, and as I looked up this word enlightened, it was just a, a wonderful revelation to me this week as to what this word really meant. It wasn't just this enlightenment that, oh, something is made just a little bit clearer to me. Paul is writing, and in this term, he's talking about an experience with God. Almost like an aha kind of moment. You know, that you are walking and God enlightens your heart in a way. He reveals Himself in a way. you experiencing Him in a way that you've never known. You encounter Him in a way that you've never known. And regardless of how long you've walked with God in here, church, hear me this morning. God never wants to cease the aha moments in your life. Because God is that big that we could discover Him fresh and new, elements of Him new every day, have our hearts enlightened every day, and we could stand in awe and wonder of these enlightenments that we see in our lives. That Paul is saying that I want Him to reveal Himself to you. I want Him to show Himself to you. I want you to experience Him. I want you to encounter Him in a way that you've never encountered Him before. Mature Christians, hear me. You never reach a point in your relationship with God that you are beyond the aha moments with Him. Drum kit. You never reach a point in your relationship with God that you're beyond an aha moment. Same thing. God wants to encounter you fresh, new, with an aha moment. Maybe even more frequently on a daily basis, but every day we should be in awe and absolute wonder of God in our lives. And if nothing else does that for you, at the end of the day, look back on your day. See how many times you've messed up. See how many times you've fallen short. See how many times you've stumbled. See how much sin has been in your life. How much depravity. How much wickedness. Look back at your day. And if you've not had an aha moment up to that point, when you compile that laundry list of things and you see it, and then there's a realization that hits that God still loves you, it should lead you into awe. It should lead you into worshiping Him Because 
All of this stuff, all of this red in your ledger is still there, but guess what? Still yet, He loves you anyhow and is willing to forgive you. He says all this. He prays this, that may give you the spirit of wisdom, and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. For what? Here's the what. That you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. I want to talk to you for just a few moments about hope. My, uh, my dad, I remember when I was growing up, there would be times that I would be riding with him. And just out of nowhere, he would stop the vehicle. I mean, he would make sure that there wasn't anything coming, I think most of the time anyhow. But there would be times that he would just stop the vehicle, and then he would just start belly laughing. I mean, he'd be looking in his mirrors, and he would just start belly laughing. And I'm over there like, okay, what's, what's going on now? But my dad was known for frequently, if he could stop, if there, were, if there was a dog or dogs that were notorious for chasing vehicles, my dad would go down the road, let them get into a good sprint to where that they were chasing after him, and then he would stop. Because he wanted to see the look on their faces when they actually caught a vehicle. You all wonder where I get my dad joke humor and stuff. I don't think we're going to have to look too far. But I mean, I was like, Dad, what are you doing? He's like, I just wanted to see what they would do if when they finally catch one. You know, their whole life they've been chasing after one, just hoping to catch one. And then all of a sudden somebody stops and they're like, what, what do we do now? <laughs> caught it. Um, not for sure now. You know, I think that a lot of us probably have that same kind of feeling when we're chasing areas of false hope. You know, that job that we've trained ourselves for, that we've put effort and energy and time and we've sacrificed things and we finally get to that place where we've got that job and if all the way leading up to it is if I could just get this job, if I could just get this position, if I could just get this promotion, if I could just get this raise, then everything would be fine. Boom, I get it. And I become like that dog that finally caught the car. Okay, I got it. What do I do with it? All of these things that I thought it was going to fix, it hasn't fixed. All of these sources of problems, stress and tension on my family that I, I thought that this was going to, to fix, they're still there. So it must be, oh, it must be that next promotion that I need. It must be that next race. Or let's say this, oh, if I could just find that spouse, if I could just find that man, if I could just find that woman, if I could just find that person that God has for me, then everything would start falling into place. That's where my source of hope is going to be, is going to be placed in my relationships. And then I get into this relationship with this wonderful person, and maybe at first everything's great, everything's grand, and we think, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. But then all of a sudden, the vehicle starts slowing down till it comes to a stop. 
and we realize that this relationship, this thing that I was placing all of my hope in, it's actually not what I needed all along. And I think that we've seen so many areas like this in our lives. And I could go on for the rest of the day about, about different... I mean, we, some of us, we, we struggle with things in our lives. We struggle with addictions. We struggle with these hang-ups, these hurts, these habits that are talked about on Tuesdays. At CR. We, 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 find, we find ourselves chasing these things. And when we get to them, what we find is emptiness. They're false finish lines because we've wrapped up all of our hope in these finish lines. And when we get there, we really don't find ourselves too much further than where we started. But see, it's through revelation of Him. It's through wisdom in Him. It's through knowledge. It's in that opening, having our the eyes of our hearts opened to those aha moments. That enlightenment to know God fresh and new every day. That's the hope. My friends, has there been anything in this world that you've put your hope in that 100% of the time has come through for you? No. Listen, as a husband, as a father, that is my goal, that my girls can put their hope in me and 100% of the time I'll be able to come through for them. But you know what? I fall miserably short of that every day. It's a false hope. But Paul is talking about a hope in Jesus Christ. The one who will never fail you. The one who will never leave you empty. The one who will never leave that hollow void inside of you. The one that will never forsake you. That will never abandon you. That will never turn his back on you. That will never gossip about you. That will never hurt you. That is the source of hope that Paul is praying that the church at Ephesus continues to encounter. And that's the same source of hope that I pray for you each and every week that you have a greater revelation of, you have a greater wisdom of, you have a deeper knowledge of, and you have those moments where God, to where He just draws you even closer to Him. And it's through that hope to which He has called you and the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. I want to ask the praise team if they would to come forward as we get ready to, to worship one last time. Now next week, we're going to look at the source, the how, the why is this prayer possible. And we're going to see that through the power of Jesus Christ. But I really wanted us to understand what Paul was praying here this morning. And understand, this is a prayer that still needs to be echoed in our homes, in our churches, in our schools, in our workplaces, but most importantly, needs to be echoed in our hearts. That we would remain faithful to Jesus Christ. That we would love all of the saints, that we would lo let love lead us. It, that's kind of what Jesus said that people would know that we're His followers by, right? 
by this they'll know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. And then this understanding of, folks, there's always more. There's always more to your relationship with God. More to your relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants you to have deeper revelation. He wants you to have greater wisdom. He wants you to have a more intimate knowledge of who He is. And when we do that, that draws us ever closer to that true source of hope. And we begin to see the inheritance that we have as believers in Jesus Christ.